This show is brought to you by Female Alliance Media, by women, for women. Hello, and welcome to the Say It Out Loud podcast. I am your host, Christine Daynard, and the goal of this podcast is to encourage you to live your best and most authentic life by digging deeper and finding connection through vulnerability. I believe we have been taught that vulnerability is a weakness when in fact it is our superpower. In this space, I will share personal stories and conversations with others so you can be empowered by their strength and inspired to take action in your own life. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get started. Well, hey, welcome back to the podcast. You've got me, Christine D, and I'm here with a really special guest who, funnily enough, I've actually known for quite some time. But we're going to come back to that in a little bit. I would like to introduce you to my friend Catchy, also known as Catherine, and I'm going to actually pass the mic over to her in a second to introduce herself. Um, But I just want to say what I love about this platform and this podcast and saying it out loud is it is really encouraging people to come out and talk about things that have been really hard for them. And I'm going to guess that this is a really hard conversation for Katya to have. So I want you to give her grace in this space. And I'm sure that many of you, even if you don't see yourself directly in her story, um, you may see yourself in aspects of her story. It's There's always something for everyone. And if this isn't for you, you can pass on it and go to something else. But I think that there's so much heart and love in this conversation. And I hope you'll keep an open heart and mind. So having said that, uh, I would love to introduce our guest, Catchy. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's nice to be here. It's so great to have you here. Um, Is it okay if we tell the little story first about how we actually know each other? Yeah, go for it. You good with that? Mm -hmm. So uh, my son is going on 16. So about 15 years ago, I took a part-time job. Actually, it might have been full-time at the time, briefly at Starbucks in uh, Waterloo Region. And Catchy was one of the fabulous people I got to work with at that spot. I actually didn't love the job. I hated working at Starbucks. (laughs) (laughs) Drive through. (laughs) It was like, how many things can be happening at one time? Not a good multitasker over here. I'd be like, what? Only three pumps? Oh, sorry, you already got four. non-dairy milk what's that um anyways so we worked together that's going on like yeah about 15 years ago and somehow our lives just keep kind of weaving in and out we've sort of seen each other or tripped over each other in the world as we've gone through the last 15 years and uh, and more recently have been um connected and catchy you came on my tour actually uh, a few years ago now. it was a couple I years did. ago I think now it was 2019 well it was it was before the pandemic then that's mm-hmm. right okay so you you got in on the really fun days of the buzz yeah <laughs> it was a great time yeah it was a fun time so so thank you so much for being here catchy would you mind uh telling our audience a little bit about you and what brings you here today yeah absolutely so thanks again for having me um my name is catchy i also go by Catherine. i'm from the waterloo region and i've got uh two kids um wyatt who's six and Eloen, she's two and a half and i'm happily married and we have our wheaton dog rudy oh wheaton's I love Wheaton's. I have a soft spot for Wheaton's. Yeah, he's yeah. so cute. Yeah, that's <laughs> wonderful. So great little family. And your kids are adorable. I see them on the socials all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're very cute. Um, so tell our listeners, what is it that um, you wanted to come here and share? What sort of story do you have on your heart that you want to share with our listeners? So when I saw you starting this community and you know opening up um, about your podcast, I just thought hey, you might 
be wanting to listen to a story about somebody who, you know, had a baby during the pandemic and went through all those years and, you know, just the trials and challenges of it all. And um, I'm sure my story can resonate with at least one listener. So. um, Oh, yeah. Well, a lot of people had babies during the pandemic. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's really interesting because most people aren't actually talking about the pandemic. They're not talking about the trauma that we have been through. And in your case, a different kind of trauma than the average person. Right. right. And uh, it's like we got past it and it's like we're moving forward. It's like, oh, the boop, it never happened. And it's like there's all this stuff that occurred in that time frame. Mm-hmm. And for you, it was having a baby. Yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, listeners, if you have not yet had a baby, you have no idea what that ordeal is like in the first place. But if you have had children, you know that it's already a really big thing. It's like a really really big ordeal to have children. And so I can't even imagine. I don't know a lot of Ketchy's story in regard to this. And so I'm learning a lot about this as you're learning for our listeners. Um, But I can only imagine how difficult it must have been to even enter a hospital let alone have a baby right. during that time. Yeah. So where would you like to start? What was your first experience that um, is is connected to this piece of the story? What was that? When, were, when did you find out you were pregnant, first of all? When was that? And um, maybe give us a little intro into that part of it. Yeah, sure. So um, I found out I was pregnant January 1st, essentially, 2020. <laughs> okay. So... There you go. <laughs> yeah. So you had a couple months before the world yep. went upside down. Yep. Yep. And uh, luckily, you know, we had gone on a vacation just beginning of March and we started to hear about the coronavirus back home. And so, you know, we booked our tails back to Canada. Um, and luckily we had that vacation because, as you know, the world shut down. Right. So um, I've been reflecting a lot about this story, um, my story, and You know, I think my takeaway from it is that the hardest part about it was really um, when the world went back to normal. As we came out of the pandemic, that's when I struggled the most. That's when I hit rock bottom. So it's just interesting because you think it's like during the pandemic and during all the lockdowns, but it's actually when everything was returning back and I went back to work, that's when, you know, I really struggled. So yeah, it was an interesting time and this was my second pregnancy. So I had that first normal pregnancy to um, look back on, right? And to compare and, you know, all the losses that I, you know, that we encountered, but um, nevertheless, still fortunate enough. And um, what do I want to say? Well, I think for, if you don't mind, I'll jump in for a sec and just yeah. say like, I think, um you know, many people can probably even already resonate with the idea and the and the fact that it wasn't until post pandemic that you got this like rush of emotion and were sort of like probably reliving, yeah, and and coming and being flushed with the memories of what you had just experienced because during that time we were all in survival. Right. I mean, literally, it was: Am I going to make it through the day? Am I going to walk past somebody who's sick? And is it going to make me sick? Is my baby going to be safe? You know, like, I mean, there was no, like, oh, our basic needs are pretty primal. And our basic, one of our basic needs is safety. And there was no feeling of safety. So I can only imagine the stress that that time would have caused, especially 
when you're pregnant and it's mm-hmm. supposed to be like a time where home yeah. you know like you're taking care of you and mama making sure that baby is okay right. but what a stressful time to be in so I would imagine that because most of us were in survival mode you know you don't know what is inf- impacting you until you're done Right. right. It's not until it's over. It's like post accident, right? It's all the yeah. same kind of thing. It's like yeah. it is kind of like an accident. <laughs> right. Um, so so now so you found it you were pregnant in January and then when were you due for delivery? That would have been So September was okay. the due date. Yeah. So I had quite a ways to go. Um, but then when the world shut down in March, um, I had a a uh, little guy that just turned three. I was now pivoting to working remotely from home. Like there was all these big changes. I was scared. I was terrified. You know, we were watching the numbers and obviously, you know, that was the first year. And, um, you know, I was looking at the website on the CDC um, and it was saying like, if you were to get COVID while pregnant, it could affect your pregnancy. You could have preterm, you know, baby, you could deliver early. Like it was just such a scary time. You know? well, well, fear was at the time, fear was so prominent. Yeah. You know, um, there, like I said, there was no safety and, and now you have the added challenge of bearing this baby, you know, yeah. I was going to say building a baby. <laughs> kind of building a baby <laughs> yeah. like you're growing a baby inside of you which is like I remember when I was pregnant reading somewhere that um, someone uh, likened it to climbing Mount Everest on a daily basis that's the work that your body is doing maybe not the physical exertion although sometimes <laughs> that's after. I, right absolutely but that that your body internally is going through essentially climbing this massive mountain because it's doing so many things every day and the baby is growing so much every day it's just uh, taking and taking and of taking course yeah it. And and we get to the, you know, the lucky outside impact of that, right? So there's lots of things that hormonally that happen as well that impact us. So, so now you're home with a three-year-old and you're now working from home. So what do you do for a living? If you wouldn't mind telling your listeners, you don't have to get too super specific if you don't want, but. Yep. So I'm a program assistant and I work at Conestoga. Okay. Awesome. So like. Administrative. So you're used to working in an environment where you're in-person supporting. Yeah. And so you can go and knock on a door and go and talk to somebody and be like, hey, is this the way it's supposed to be? I mean, I would imagine I I don't do admin assistant work (laughs) because I'm no good at it. You're a very strong supportive role in that case Mm -hmm. and helping, I would imagine, probably more than one person. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And just being amongst my colleagues and having those supports, right? Yeah, absolutely. So like I I imagine, because I remember during that time, here I was home at the beginning of the pandemic with my son, who at the time was 12, I think he had just turned 12. And so I remember it being just like thinking to myself, these are going to be his like tween age years, mm-hmm. right? That's time that they're so involved in being social and kind of becoming, right? They're kind of coming into their own a little bit. They're testing out things. They're spend more time with friends. And now all these kids are stuck at home. I remember thinking, you know, I'm so glad that I don't have little children at home because I think I would lose my marbles if I had to work at home and have small children at home with me. So, I mean, I'm trying to put myself in your shoes right now for a minute. And I'm sure with, there's so many moms that are probably going to listen to this and be like, oh my God, take me back there like that. (laughs) I'm so glad we're past it. But what were, just maybe expressed to those listening, maybe that don't know, like what were some of the challenges that were in there for you? Like now you're at home, 
working from home and you have a three-year-old at home as well. Yeah. I imagine you're the primary caregiver at this time. Yeah. So my husband still had, um, was still going into the office. So he had that luxury. (laughs) Um, But, and can I just say, I can't imagine having a teenager during the pandemic because I was thinking about all those um, young adults that suddenly didn't have those interactions. So it's, it's funny how you say, I can imagine having a little guy, but at the same time, you know, my son didn't know any better. Right. And so I could protect him and shield him from that. But there was no work. I, I couldn't do my work. I couldn't do my job. And so I had to do that at night or, you know, while he was sleeping. And at that time, turning three, you know, he was already kind of getting out of the naps. And so I would get frustrated and I would be stressed and, you know, it just wasn't working. So um, that was really hard. And <laughs> I don't know how I did it looking back. Um, I did end up taking like an earlier maternity leave for my mental health because I just needed to do that. Yeah. And I think you you touched on a really important topic, which is mental health, because, you know, I think that if you somehow came out of the pandemic unscathed, I, I don't know how that's possible. I think anyone is almost lying if they say that they came out unscathed because, uh, you know, unless there was nothing taken from you and you were already an introvert and you didn't have kids, and, yeah. you know, and your job didn't change. Like, I can see how that impact might have been really little, but so many of us were impacted by that. And we are literally now post pandemic sitting in a mental health crisis that like there are more people with mental health challenges than have ever been in history ever before. So that percentage is so and so incredibly high. So I can only imagine how that would have impacted your day to day. You know, uh, so what maybe were some of the things like, did you find yourself like in that place where I think a lot of moms find themselves outside of a pandemic, let alone in a pandemic, you know, is there something wrong with me? Who do I talk to? Like, did you reach out to anybody for help? Or do you, were you still kind of in that space where you felt like you kind of had to just keep to yourself and not tell anyone what you were experiencing? Like, how was that for you? Yeah, I think I hesitated on reaching out initially, because I just thought there was this glooming collective grief and we were all going through something we were all experiencing losses we were all helpless and hopeless and watching the numbers and it getting extended by another 28 days and so I didn't reach out and I mean you know that did some damage right because you keep it to yourself you know I had my husband he was super supportive um you know he did what he could from his end but um yeah it was only later on that I realized, you know, you got to lean on the village Hmm. to get you through it. So yeah, and the village is not something that like in our generation now with where we are, even prior to the pandemic, the village hasn't been as, uh, as big of a deal or as much in our culture as it used to be, right? Like, mm-hmm. I imagine having children years ago, I mean, there's pros and cons to every kind of, you know, <laughs> wherever, whenever you were born, there's pros and cons. But but I feel like there was a, an advantage to those families who had each other, right? Like lots of kids in the neighborhood, everybody, like I remember we would like run around and we were out until the lights came on, right? Yeah. And like my parents never knew where I was, like, but my neighbors always, they could, they could be like, oh, Doreen, uh, Christine's over here on this street. Yeah. And, you know, I just saw her She's running home. Naughty. Right, exactly. <laughs> or like, I remember when I got caught smoking once, 
And <laughs> so one of the neighbors like called my mom and they were like, uh, Doreen, I'm pretty sure I saw your daughter smoking at the corner on her bicycle. So I get home and I, I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. It's, it was not me. But like you couldn't escape it then. Yeah. And now even prior to the pandemic, there, there was so much less community. Like we've been sort of hiding away in our homes more already. And now here we are in this time mm-hmm. where we're forced to stay home. We're forced to be alone and yeah. not have a village to help support us. Yeah. And forget to socialize. Like I would see, you know, my neighbors and, and, and talk to them and I'm like, oh, did I like, did I talk too much? Like, did I, you know, I was so insecure from that lack of socialization. Like it was, it was crazy how it hit me, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think too, even today, I talk to people who are just starting to get out there and socialize again. And they're having a really hard time with it because we've been forced home for so long. I mean, it was almost three years of time that we were, you can go out, you can't, but when you go out, here's the rules, you know, like there, there was no more just like, you know, natural play and fun and leave your home and go and do what you want. Like everything was, was taken away. So, um, so now I imagine this. So now you had, you had him in September of 20. Oh, I had her in September. Oh, sorry. Okay. Her yeah. in September of 2020. 20. 2020. Yeah. And um, was there a time that you, like, when did that village sort of come in to play for you? Or did it ever during that time, during the pandemic? Yeah. Um, I think more so, as I was saying before, like, when we got back to normal, when I returned to work, that's when I really struggled. And that's when I reached out. And obviously, my close friends, colleagues, sister family, like, they all knew, you know, I was isolated, and it was hard. And I had two little kids. And, you know, I was all by myself, and they would check on me. And, you know, we would um, have those conversations. But it was more so me leaning into like, I am not okay, and then reaching out. But that was until later right so like you went at least two years yeah (laughs) basically um probably and and I again I mean I think that all of us can kind of like I sit here I'm closing my eyes because I'm like going back into memory town and although I didn't have small children I mean I remember I mean every day was like on repeat and there was nothing (laughs) right there was like nothing to look forward to I mean uh just like most people, I think I made bread for like the first time in my life, you know, would eat all the time, but there was really nothing going on. And when you don't have any supports, you don't live in a big family. Like for, for us that most of that time it was me and my son. So I can relate to some degree. It's like you're, well, I think all of us, I guess can relate to some degree, but it was so on repeat and there was no fun and nothing to look forward to mm-hmm. that your head goes into a lot of dark places. Yeah. And eventually like I can speak for me and say and maybe you can relate to this is that I remember like I would go out on tours and I would have to talk myself up every single tour because I'm like okay I got this like I can deal with people I can put on a happy face I can bring my energy and I would literally get about an hour into a tour and I would be exhausted from trying. And I'm a really, you know me, I'm a very social person. I like to engage with people. Like normally that is what lifts me up. It doesn't bring me down. It's and an I, energy exchange. Yes, absolutely. And so it was like a foreign thing that we weren't getting during that time. But but just the the day in and the day out of sitting on the sofa and not having any connection was like, it was like brain melt. 
Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And so what what was it that sort of, what was your catapult? Like, I know that you said it was like, as we started to open up, but do you, was there like a pinpointed moment that you remember thinking like, holy shit, I'm going to have to do something about this because I didn't realize how bad I was? Like, what happened with you there? Like, how did that, how that impact you there? Yeah. So I think 2021, January, February, we had entered another lockdown. It was middle of winter, dead cold. There was nothing to do. And I just found myself just stuck. And, um, you know, my husband would come home and I just couldn't be happy. And I just couldn't put on a happy face. And, um, you know, I couldn't give my heart to my kids. Like I struggled to just you know, I, I always consider myself this like positive and bright person. And I was losing that because I was losing that hope that like, obviously, you know, we we just didn't know it just kept getting extended. And you're like, is this really like, is this really happening? Um, and you know, like, you know, my baby would cry and I would just be like, you know, do I have to go get her right now? Like, I, I, I can't, like, I have nothing to give. That was like, I was so empty on the inside. And so, um, you know, we had celebrated another birthday for my son, Wyatt. He had just turned four. It was another lockdown birthday, you know, like friends had come to drop, um, some things off for him, but like, I couldn't buy him balloons. Like it was all taped off. Um, I couldn't buy baby clothes. Like it wasn't essential. <laughs> I'm like, it is essential. Like it was just that this, is so bananas. It is. It really is. And so, um, it was at that time, like around May that, um, Colin was like, you know, like you have to go talk to somebody. And like, I think that would be really helpful to you. And, um, you know, I, I called my therapist and she's like, I don't have a spot available until like August. And I'm like, oh yeah, you you must be really busy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I laugh, but it's not funny. Like, yeah, they're so overworked. Social work, psychologists, like they're so overworked right now, but sorry, continue. No, no. Yeah. So that was when I realized like I had to do something, you know, and, um, I do have a supportive household. Like if I want to leave and if I need some time to myself, whether the world is open or not, I have that. I can go for a car ride. I can go sit by the Nith river and just decompress. It doesn't, you know, I don't have to go anywhere, but, um, it just, yeah, it just really took a toll. And, you know, my mom lives, um, in Huntsville and so, and my sister as well. So they're three hours away, three and a half. And so, you know, they couldn't do drop-ins and like do, you know, distant visits. So I really didn't see them for the longest time. And you know, that, that really broke my heart. Like here I had these little kids, I was on maternity leave, you know, tick tock, tick tock. And, um, they were missing that. You know, they were missing that and other family was missing that. And that was just so heartbreaking to me. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I mean, we are humans and we're wired for connection. Mm -hmm. And so now you take away all of our connection and all the things that come naturally for us to do. And And our supports. Right? Like everything. You have no help of any kind. You know, I remember you're, you're speaking about that sort of like empty feeling inside. I remember that too. Like, I remember um, my son some days coming to me and being like, he'd be a mess. And I'm like, kiddo, I know. I, I don't even know what to say because I'm a mess too. You know, like, I, I, I wish I could sit here and be the parent right now that you need, but I can't be because I don't have it in me either. Yeah. 
like how horrible does that feel like you're you're you become a parent and you have this you know most have this natural instinct to you know take care of and nurture and all of a sudden there's like this big black hole living inside of you and you have no ability to really feel anything yeah and so to dig your kid out of how they're feeling <laughs> Well, you're also in that same big black hole. So all, I remember all I did was I'd be like, let's just let's just sit together and watch a movie. And I, I, that's all I got in me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like that was it. So you want some bread. Right. Like, what else are we going to do? Right? You can only go on so many walks. Right. Exactly. Like, and play so many games or, yeah. you know, uh, like it, uh, I am at, and with a three-year-old at the time for you I mean dear god at least with a 12-year-old he was able to go in his room and play video games with his friends online right yeah. whereas like a three-year-old is busy and moving and yeah. you know you don't get a chance to take a break so it's not like you can just shut the door like at least I could sometimes <laughs> just say you know what Jackson like mm -hmm. I gotta go do my thing and just melt into my bed <laughs> for a few hours I'll see you in a little bit like you didn't really have that option um, because you have a three-year-old and a baby at home right so you're constantly on but you're but you're not yeah <laughs> it's like the light switches off but you're but you're forcing like it's like this forcible yeah when they're tugging at you and they're like mommy mommy and you're just like huh like you're in a daze and that's what I I posted like lockdown days like just sitting on the floor you know the house is a disaster you know they're playing they're happy they have no idea what's going on and you're just like thinking the world has gone to hell in a handbasket and it's just such an awful feeling, right? So, yeah, it's a lot. It's, it's a lot to talk about. It is a lot. So <laughs> it is heavy. Well, and, and you know what? The thing is, like, ha having heavy conversations is really therapeutic for us. Even if we're not talking to a therapist, if we're just talking to somebody about what has happened to us, like, we're able to share in the weight of that a little bit. And because the pandemic was so widespread and it was impacting everyone, you know, we can share in this experience because even though the details of our experience were different, mm -hmm. the, our exposure to different things, of course, was different, but that there's this commonality, this connection that we all have because we've all survived this time together. And I'll bet you everybody listening to this is like, oh, like it's probably taking them back to the memory of how that felt for them. So instead of staying in this very heavy space, mm -hmm. and I mean, I think that, you know, we have a pretty good picture how difficult that was and clearly you know, your mental health was not in a good state and you probably didn't feel like you were being a great parent and you probably felt guilty about that. And right. you probably felt shame about that because also no one else was really, I mean, no one was talking about anything. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then if you talked about any of your problems, it was like, oh yeah, well this is going on over here. So you shouldn't feel bad. It's like, who decided that? Like, no, everybody's um, challenges are, are, are happening to them and it doesn't matter what's happening to somebody else or in another part of the world, your world is your world. And when it's shaken up like that, it's it's hard to find your way. So so let's maybe uh, go into if you, so you talked to the therapist and the therapist wasn't available until <laughs> August. So what did you do? So we're talking like early spring until yeah. August is the time frame that you kind of had to wait for an appointment, I'm mm -hmm. guessing. Mm -hmm. So did you find some strategies for yourself in there? That did, Was there any other resource for you to tap into at the time for you to find something that could help lift you up a little bit? Um, I didn't really... I think I just made myself like small goals, you know, like try to get outside, try to carve time for yourself. It wasn't until like this past year really that I've really created some 
um, strategies for myself. Um, but nothing was really available. Like I, you know, you could only go for so many walks, like I said, right? So um, I think as the warmer season started, um, sorry, spring, I should say, um, you know, restrictions started to loosen up. And so things did get better and we could like see our family and, you know, it, it was getting better at that time. Right. So that of course lifted my spirits and, and we were on like an upward trajectory. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. But I think too, like, um, I mean, I'm definitely curious about some of the strategies that you ended up implementing for yourself mm-hmm. to like help yourself get out of that space. Um, because I think a lot of people are still there, you yeah. know, no matter the circumstance that they were living in, um, there's still a lot of ripple effect and impact of this time in our lives, mm-hmm. which, you know, again, shockingly, there are not resources for, yeah. you know, you don't hear, um, you know, uh, the, the, the health supports talking about different ways that you can support yourself through this time. I mean, it's, it's over, they're oversaturated with people that they're helping and there's no time to help you at home, right. <laughs> you know, it seems. Yeah. So, um, so now what have been like in this last year, mm-hmm. what have you been finding that's been working well for you? Because I think that people are just, I think that the biggest, the, I think, I think one of the biggest challenges about mental health and feeling like this depressive black hole sort of state is that you really want to feel better, but it's so much effort (laughs) to feel better. And when you can't see the end of the goal or the goal line, you can't see that this thing is going to get better outside of you. It's like, forget it. I'm just going to give up because that's what I did anyway. I was like, fuck it. <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm just going to give up until the world figures it out. And then eventually it was like, okay, we're past it, but the world's really not figuring it out. So I got to figure it out for me. Right. Mm-hmm. So what were some of those things for you? How have you been able to, um, you know, come home to yourself a little bit? How have you been able to do that for you? Yeah. So if I could backtrack just a little bit. Yeah, please do. So um, when I returned to work, so first of all, when my daughter was born, you know, we had a really good healthy attachment. It wasn't that I was, I didn't have postpartum depression. Like I loved holding her and I loved, you know, I I was happy, you know, of course we had, um, our days were kind of like roller coaster, right? Like we'd, we had sweet moments, we had great days. And then we'd have like awful days where it was minus 20 and, you know, we couldn't go to the mall and we couldn't go, I couldn't take them to the grocery store because I'd be looked at by other people like judgment, right? So, um, it was just such a roller coaster. So, you know, of course she was attached to my hip. She only knew people with face masks on. Mm. She, um, we were just always home you know, together. And so when I had to return back to work in February, 2022, I had been on an 18 month mat leave at that point. So very fortunate, um, to be in that position, but I had to hand her off to a home daycare whom she'd never met, who, whose house I'd never been into because of COVID. And I said in my post, like I dropped her off like an Uber driver. Like, I was like, here's my child, you know. um, That's horrible. It was, like, it's it's already so hard to return to work after a mat leave, let alone being in a pandemic, being in several lockdowns. Like, you can imagine this baby. (laughs) Like, she was just, she had such a hard time. And uh, that resulted in me having a really hard time, you know. Um, So she cried. And... My son, when I went back to work, he cried for a week and then he was fine. Um, she cried for half a year. Oh, my Every God. day. 
every drop off like we're talking full-time daycare you know like not you know every other day there was routine for her there was structure but um so her inability to cope or you know like obviously I've put her through some trauma left a lot of guilt for me I felt bad there was this massive change for her and so she went through this like episode if you will where she was just having these full-blown I'm gonna call them psychotic episodes she'd like wake up in the middle of the night and she'd be screaming Um, and somebody might say well that sounds like night terrors it happened all the time it happened when we came home from somewhere it happened during the day it was happening all the time and I don't know what was going through her little head you know I don't know if she was afraid I was gonna leave if she was just you know having a regression I'll never know right Mm. but that caused me to essentially blow up and I had to get an accommodation through work to work from home um, because I couldn't handle coming into the office a train wreck and just dealing with that and having to talk to people. It's so funny, you wait for the world to open and then you get to go and you're like, I, I, I can't do it. Like, <laughs> I just didn't have the coping um, mechanism. So that was that was my breaking point was when we really struggled with her. Um, you know, I would take her to the doctor and just the healthcare. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, they ask you, like I would take her for her vaccines and, you know, there's a question there like, you know, is, is mom experiencing like depression, anxiety, dep- you know, whatever. And I would be like, yep, yep, sleeplessness. And then he wouldn't even bring it up. He wouldn't even ask me like, how are you doing mom? Like how, and I don't expect, you know, a 20 minute conversation with the doctor, you know, but our appointments were four minutes nine minutes like I timed them like it was it just didn't feel like I had that level of care well and even it's almost like there was a filter there like the questions were on the piece of paper yeah (laughs) and you answered them yeah and then they weren't even approached they weren't even talked about you didn't even bring them up in your conversation I was like what is the point of that and so well it's called paper trail (laughs) yeah (laughs) And so even now, like when I'm in a healthcare, like when I'm in a clinic environment, I like struggle and sometimes I get really emotional. Like I just got a concussion in March and I went to the doctor and I'm sitting there and I'm crying because I've, I've clearly have this like past trauma from like not being heard, not feeling like I'm being taken care of, you know, not being given the time and like, you know, during COVID it was phone call appointments. So I said, you know, like my daughter's got a lump on her head. Oh, I'll call you. Okay, so where's the lump? I'm like, can she not come in? Can I not come in and take her? Like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, and they were two minute conversations. So that was my backtrack story. Mm. One of the first things I did was switch doctors. (laughs) (laughs) Hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. And so. Which is hard to do. It is really hard. And I'm so fortunate that the opportunity came up and I was, you know, I saw it online that they were accepting. It is, there's so many people that don't have a family doctor and I just feel for them because how awful. And it's such, there's such a shortage now and people are just struggling. So um, that was a huge change for me. And um, I joined a parent support group. Oh, good yeah. for you. Mm-hmm. So that was recommended um, by my by my pediatrician. 
or should I say my daughter's pediatrician. Um, so I joined that and learned some tips and like just got to share and heal and, and, and know that we're on the same ship, you know, we're all struggling in the storm. So that was a huge part too. And that, that was just recent. I just finished that like in April. Wow. But it just goes to show you, you know, that, that sense of community and having people to lean on and share your story with, Mm -hmm. like literally is one of the most impactful things that we can do for each other. Yeah. Is like, stop and listen, ask people how they're doing and wait for their answer. You know, like we're in such a hurry and we're so used to just doing what's right for us and moving along so fast that, that we, we have somehow as a, as a society forgotten that we're people, Yeah, (laughs) you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, we need to stop and listen. And I'm so glad that, that you were able to find that parenting group that, you know, at least you could share in some of those struggles together, even if all your struggles weren't the same, like just venting it out of your body, like literally, like, I don't know how much you believe in this, but I mean, energy is stored in your body. It it's, I believe it's literally what can make us sick. The more that we hold energy, especially negative energy in our body, and we don't get it out by the, by talking about it, by moving it out of our body, by screaming it out of our body, it, it, it finds its way in there and it, and it finds these dark little corners and it doesn't go away. Right. right? And so for you to be able to find that outlet, um, I can only imagine how powerful that was, especially after all this time of really not having that at all. Um, and I imagine too, like if you have friends in our family who don't have little kids, like they're only able to understand a certain part of it, right? Like yeah. you can only sort of commiserate with other people that are having a similar challenge to you because, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's kind of lost on people that aren't experiencing the same thing, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, and there's a stigma attached to like support group, right? Mm. Like oh, I join the support group, right? But um, so powerful and it was, it's there and, you know, yeah, we didn't have similar stories, but we were all there for each other and we showed up and we were willing to do the work and watch the videos and, and use those tools. Right. And we, and we talked about our successes and our wins. And like some of the wins were like, I had a warm coffee today and that was my win. And I'm like, see, like, it doesn't have to be this grand thing. It can be (laughs) getting a chance, you know, putting your kid to sleep without any talk back or whatever. Right. So, um, that was just so wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and gratitude is something that, you know, we haven't been taught in our society to have gratitude. Like there's a lot of other countries that are way smarter and more advanced than we are. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly emotionally, because our emotions are connected to how we feel in our bodies and our, that emotion is then translate into other things, right? Mental illness, physical illness, like all these other things. But being grateful for the little things that we have Mm -hmm. allows us to switch our mind from that lack mindset, that lack perspective that I don't have, everything's going wrong into, but here's a good thing because we have to find that sliver of light because if we don't, we're done, right? We can only go so long. We, well, we showed ourselves we can go longer than we probably thought we could, but we can only go so far before we lose that light entirely, right? And so looking at that element of gratefulness and being grateful for a hot cup of coffee in the morning, like how hard is that to come by as a parent? Because like with little children running around, I mean, I never had a hot cup of coffee when my kid was little, unless I was at the Starbucks and working, then maybe I got a hot coffee on my break, but that was about it, right? 
so um wow like i just i i feel so much of your story i feel so much of where you are or where you have been throughout this time and like i think i just want to say and maybe you can uh even feed into this is you know for anybody who's listening it Okay, so I got a little distracted there for a second because my phone was ringing and it distracted me and then I forgot what I was talking about. But ultimately, I think where I was going with this is the is that um, being grateful and, and looking at the at the positive and the good things. It doesn't mean like there's this thing called toxic positivity, you know, where we have to feel nice and good all the time and always have a smile on our face. Like, no, that is called being fake. That is what's called you're going to run yourself into a mental health crisis if you continue to try to pretend that you're happy all the time. But when you're looking for the good things, the good things are always there. These like little nuggets of light that are always there. And, and I think that's what we have to come back to. And I still don't remember exactly the point that I was going to make um, other than to say, like, I'm so glad that you were able to be introduced to this support group who was able to kind of help you out of that dark space. To, I think what I struggle with, and we had this conversation is like, I feel bad. And I think it's a defense mechanism because it's like, what am I complaining about? Right. And, and so like, I'm looking for those slivers of hope and like the positivity, but then I diminish how I feel inside. And so I say like, we had a warm house, we binged Netflix during the lockdown, like, woes me, like, I didn't lose a business, you know, and and I didn't, I wasn't out of work. And, and, you know, like, we could afford groceries, and we didn't have anybody sick in our family um, that we couldn't visit, or we couldn't see or be with in their last days, you know, like, so many people went through so many challenging times. And so like, so yeah, as a defense mechanism, I diminish like I'm like what what is my problem like I'm trapped at home with kids like yeah I mean I think that that's a North American um culture problem honestly that's not you that's that's what we've been raised in that's what society has taught us is you know like I was saying earlier it's like well this thing's happening to me oh yeah well did you know that they're in war in the Ukraine like at least you're not living in a war zone well but hold on a second everything is relative right? Mm -hmm. And like, your hard and my hard might be different. Your personality and what you can handle might be different than my personality and what I can handle, right? So all of us handle things at a different level. And I think that it's impossible to put judgment on somebody else and and call them out for doing what's right for them or for feeling anything. Like, hello, welcome to the world that like people don't feel enough. You know what I'm saying? Like there are there or their feelings are all trapped up in that anger and that energy that's inside of them. And it's coming out in frustration and anger and violence as opposed to, you know, coming out in this is how I feel and I can put words to how I feel like, you know, I don't know about you, but I grew up in a house where, you know, when something happened, it was like it was shoved under the rug. We never talked about it. Yeah. Right. And so when you've been taught, you know, generation after generation, I mean, that started generations before us. Right. So when that and it's getting better and better and better and better, thank God, like we hit our generation, I think we're actually making some changes for the positive. Mm -hmm. Right. But like you imagine like all those generations of people that learn to push everything under the rug and not deal with their emotions. Yeah. And now nobody knows how to deal with their emotions. Well, no kidding, because we've been hiding them for so long. Exactly. Right. And then something comes along like this pandemic that like literally 
takes the rug out from underneath us in so many possible ways. I mean, ways that we don't even understand the impact that has had on us for that last three years, right? Like there's so many impacts of that time that we don't even know about yet. Um, but, you know, I'm I'm just grateful that, you know, you're here having this conversation with me. And you know what, maybe this isn't the most lighthearted conversation we've had in this space, but I think that it's a, it's a, it's a conversation that needed to happen. And I'm so glad that you're willing to share parts of your story because, you know, let's be real here. Not everything is, you know, sunshine and rainbows, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah, Yes, we can choose joy. We can choose to look at the good, which is not toxic positivity. I think this is where I was going earlier, right? <laughs> is that we can choose to look for the good. And there is always good. Right. But good doesn't happen without bad, right? Like we we can't appreciate the good without the other stuff, right? But we have to train our brains. We've been like, this is my perspective, by the way, and I'm not a psychologist or a therapist, but I'm going to say that we, especially during that time already before, but especially during that time, we're trained to be in fear mm-hmm. and in lack and looking for the bad, right? Everything was going wrong. You can't do anything. You can't go anywhere. You have no community. Like everything was in the lack, right? And instead, now we're in a place where we're post-pandemic and our brains were already trained to look for the bad. And now they're trained even more to look for the bad. So like our brain actually looks for it. It's, it's job is like 80% of it looks for the bad. It's like rewired. It literally is rewiring your brain. So when you start to focus on gratitude, which is what you were learning to do in this, in this support group, is learn to look at gratitude because it literally changes your brain mm-hmm. and then your brain starts to look for more good than bad and that's what starts to you know make the boat turn around a little right it's not just okay I feel good 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 <laughs> you know no you don't fucking feel good <laughs> right like but if you focus on what is good okay this sucked today this sucked today yeah but you know what this was really great. I had that cup of coffee. I actually got to have a conversation with somebody on the street today. You know, my child played with another kid. Like these are all really great things. And I think that there's actually more to look for that is good, but we've been trained to look for the bad. So I think what you've been able to do in that strategy that you learned in that space, and I hope that you're still doing today, um, you know, is was helpful to get you out of that space. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So are there any other strategies that you have picked up since then or alongside that that you've been doing for yourself? Yeah. So um, I made a commitment to myself to to just start moving my body and not focus on, you know, working out or going to the gym or, you know, like I, I just want to move. And because that's always going to make you feel better. That's going to release endorphins. And again, it doesn't have to be an hour. It can be 20 minutes. It can be a walk. So just removing those barriers and those, I, I don't know if you call it labels to, I don't know. I just, I don't want to say I'm going to go work out. I'm just going to go move. And whatever it is, it is. If it's a light stretch. And so that's been really helpful to me. I've been doing that since the new year, which is so cliche, but I mean, it had to happen. (laughs) Yeah, but it's almost like I was saying the other day, actually in another podcast, that like um, expectations are the killer of our dreams. Mm. And so when we go into anything with an expectation of what the outcome is going to be, we're often setting ourselves up for disappointment, yeah. right? Because, you know, it doesn't matter what you're going for in the world. Like if you're going for an education and you want to go and get into that career and next thing you know, you're like, wah, wah, that's not for me, right? Oh, now I feel bad about myself because I went and spent four years at university and now this career isn't for me. Well, but that 
that's okay because you just had an expectation. If you went into this school for this purpose and wanted to learn something and your your intention behind it was to do something that you were that you were interested in and you had no expectation of what was going to happen on the other side, then it was all for the better good. But if we go into things with an expectation like working out just to look good or just to be fit, yeah. right? Which again, I I hate to use the word brainwashed, but I think that we've been brainwashed into thinking that, you know, we have to fit all these expectations, all these boxes, Mm -hmm. and then we feel bad about ourselves. Especially post-baby, right? Like, I have to get back to the, you know, pre-baby waiter. But the thing is, like, what I find really interesting about that, and again, this is a mindset thing, is like, there is never going back to anything. And if you're going back, you're falling backwards. Instead, we need to fall forward. So, you know, I love that you're that you've shifted that mindset for yourself. It's not that I'm just going to go and get this baby body back or this pre-baby body back. I'm just going to move and feel good because yeah. it makes me feel like I'm living. Exactly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. And we all need that and yeah, it's it's you know, release the stress, you know? Yeah. It's a great outlet. So, um and it's free. Walking is free, running is free. You know, you don't have to spend money at the big box gyms um to get the results. So absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Walking in the woods. How good has that done you? Right. Over the years. Oh my gosh. I've walked in so many woods, (laughs) but walking is magic. Like, yeah, therapeutic. And like, you've released some shit in those woods, you know, like I remember like walking the dog during lockdown and like listening and watching your stories and crying when you were crying and like, it was you know, like you were real and you were talking about hard things and it really helped me. Like I was like, yes, we are not alone and we are going through this together and we are all struggling. And it was just so wonderful. I thought you you did some magic there. Oh, thank you. You know, I think that somehow I've been given the gift of courage to share what's on my heart, no matter how hard it is. And I mean, I've cried online and on camera more than I would like to admit, <laughs> uh, certainly in the last few years. But, you know, if it's in us, it's 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 supposed to come out, mm-hmm. you know, uh, again, it's like we have this shame and guilt about crying or being seen crying or showing emotion or being mad or upset, especially as women. Like the second we get mad, we're a crazy bitch. No, I'm not a crazy fucking bitch. I'm just, I'm mad. (laughs) I'm upset or something has happened to me. And I think that we have, we have been suppressed in certain ways. Like, you know, that, right. That we believe that we are in the way that we're too much, that we're all these things. And no, like, I think it's time. It is in the corporate world, right? (laughs) Like it is, time to put all that bullshit to rest yeah it is time to for us to all come out and I you know there was like I said there was this surge of courage that came through me to share those things and I still share them today and so many people say a similar thing they say like this is what helped me move from a to b like just the fact that you talked about it and that you know even if your story wasn't the same as mine I saw you having the courage to do something so then I had the courage to do something well imagine how that could take off if we all started doing it right? So, so thank you for having the courage today to come here and share your story with us. And I know it takes us back and it's sometimes hard to hear and even hard to talk about, right? Because it's hard to go back into that time that was so traumatic, that Mm -hmm. time that had this, like I said, impact on us that we don't even know what the results are really going to be like in the next several years. But I think it's really important now that we dig in and like you find a way to be grateful 
lose our attachment to the outcome of things and just do what's on our heart to do and what brings us joy and makes us feel good because I believe that's what we were born to do. Yeah. You know? Amen. Amen. And I read something from, um, I don't know if you heard of the book, Buy Yourself the Fucking Lilies. <laughs> no, but, but I should read but it. There's a line in there and um, it said, that which is not dealt with deals with you. Mm. And I was just like, ping, like that couldn't have been more spot on. It's 100% so, accurate. That which is not dealt with deals with you. It's, so you got to deal with it. It's so true. Catchy, this has been a really great conversation. Thank you so much for coming here. Um, you know, I know that you came in with uh, the intention of also sh- maybe sharing from a book that you brought with you. Do you want to also share that while you're here? Or oh, sure. Yeah. Do, would you like to finish with that? Yeah. Um, so do you want to maybe explain to our listeners what this is okay. and uh, and the little piece that you're going to read? Okay. So um, e- like 2020 was quite awful as we know and 2021 um and so you know it was such a mess of a year but having you know my little guy and having her was just like she brought so much light during all that chaos and so I made her a baby book um I made my son Wyatt a baby book too but I made her a book and you know just kind of like this was when you were born and you know, this is your first birthday and all that. But I just took a little uh, blurb. Um, I didn't write this myself, um, but just something I just wanted to read. Um, so sweet Eloin, I wanted, I just want to say thank you. Because in many ways, 2020 was a mess. A bit of a disaster, really. But you, you've been the light in the darkness, the calm in the chaos, the joy in the midst of a whole lot of hardship and pain and frustration. So I know people will talk about 2020. They'll talk about the stress and the fear and the sadness. They'll recount every bit of the hard stuff that's brought tears to my eyes more times than I can count. But I'm just so glad that when I think back on this year, I also get to think about you. Because you're such a gift, the sweetest blessing. And even though things looked a little, okay, a lot different than I had planned, and it certainly wasn't always easy or comfortable, your timing couldn't have been more perfect. So thank you, little one. Thank you for allowing me to be grateful for 2020 because it gave me you. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I didn't write it, but I just, when I read that, I said that that's got to be in the book for her because yeah. it's so true. Yeah, so. the impact is there. And I think that that's, that's the ticket is that's look for the golden nuggets, <laughs> right? Looking for the gold is better than looking for all the trouble. We can always find trouble. We can always find bad. It's everywhere. But there's also a whole bunch of good. And, you know, it's just leaning into that. So thank you so much for being here to share. And I know that there are many people, specifically women, that are going to listen to this and resonate with you on such a level. And um, I hope hope, if nothing else, they allow themselves to release some of the stress and the tension that has been built up inside of them with their stories, because they also probably feel some kind of shame or guilt for having them in the first place, you know, that game of comparison. And I hope that they can find something in the story through you that they can connect with and let it go. So thank you so much for being here, Kachi. Yeah, thank you so much, Christine. And I'm just going to check being on a podcast off my bucket list. (laughs) And uh, I appreciate it. And you know, saying it all out loud. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much. And to our listeners, truly, I mean, I know that often our episodes here tend to be on a more energetic tone. But I think that this is 
This is the world. This is reality. This is life. Life is messy. Life is full of all kinds of emotions. And, you know, they're meant to come out of us. They're meant to be explored. They're meant to be reviewed and looked at. And we're meant to feel them because our emotions are, uh, they're a ticket. They, they show us a window or a door. They show us where we're supposed to go and where we dig further into. And I hope that you find a couple of seeds in this conversation to start digging for yourself, wherever that is, to show up more for you, to lean into the good, to find what's, what's great in every day. And not every day is going to be great, but there are always good little nuggets that happen in every day. You just have to look for them. And when you look for them, you'll find that once you're in the practice of that, it becomes easier and easier to find them. So on that note, I thank you for being here and uh, we'll see you again next time. Thank you for listening to this episode. I'd like to invite you to hit the subscribe button on this podcast so you'll be notified when the next one drops. And if you like this episode, please leave a review as it will help others to find this message. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at It's Me, Christine D. Or if you'd like to connect about being a guest on the show or talk to me about speaking engagements, please visit It's Me, Christine D. Thank you again, and I'll see you next time.